0: hope you guys are doing well today. Welcome to New Hope Church. Just so, so glad that you're here for the grand finale of uh, Battle Ready. If you guys enjoyed this series, come on. Have you enjoyed it? Next Sunday, there will be the entire sermon series packets in all of the resource centers at all of the campuses. Some of you have been asking about that. It truly will go down, I believe, in the, in the history books of New Hope as one of the best series that we have ever done. And I don't say that because I've taught it, because I haven't taught all of it. I say that because God's Word is unbelievable when we gird ourselves with the armor of God. Amen? Hey, I'll keep that going. Welcome all the campuses. Come on, welcome them. Hey, we love you guys. And when we do that, I'm trusting that all the other campuses are clapping too because they're welcoming everybody else in the movement. If you're a guest, we are one church, many locations, and uh, we are just so thankful for what God is doing in us and through us and among us. Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. Um, at all of the campuses. This is a tradition that goes back 15 years. We're 15 years old as a church. We're getting ready to be 16. Um, Since day one, every Christmas, since we've had this church, we have uh, put out a Christmas picture from my family to yours, and uh, they are at every campus location. It's our way of saying we love you and Merry Christmas, and uh, just encourage you to pick up one on your way out, one per family, and uh, we just want you to know that we love you. On behalf of Amy, Lynn, and myself, and the kids, we love you. Merry Christmas, and uh, you can grab one of those if you would like. Hey, take out your teaching notes. Take out your teaching notes and um, you already know that our Christmas series is beginning next week. Uh, A week from today, we are getting into the Christmas series titled Christmas For You. So invite your friends and uh, just know that that is coming and it's going to go next week. Then it will go Christmas weekend. And then it will go uh, the last Sunday of the year, December 31st. We're going to have Holy Communion. Um, But that is our Christmas series. And I just want to say, because all of the campuses, I think, except one, all of the campuses are having Christmas Eve services on Friday. And if there is any way possible, you can come to one of uh, the Friday service at any of the campuses, we would be most appreciative. That would free up some seats for those who want to come on Sunday afternoon, Christmas Eve. So do that if you can. Who's ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Who's ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Hey, open up your Bibles, Ephesians six. One more time. Last Sunday, battle ready. Here we go. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, Therefore. put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what church? And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praise God. And as you've been learning each week, hopefully as I mentioned every single piece of the armor from the belt of truth to the breastplate of righteousness, to the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, to the helmet of salvation, to the shield, to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hopefully now you have a better understanding of what it means to gird yourself up and be ready for the battle. Now I want you to leapfrog over to Mark chapter six. So you got your Bibles open to Ephesians six. You can mark that if you would like. Turn over to Mark chapter six. And I wanna talk to you about a passage that I believe will enable us to kind of see in a different way this whole notion of standing firm. And I'm gonna ask you to do what I love to ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to stand in honor of God's word, this last passage that we're gonna read today. This is Jesus on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. Verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to do what church? To pray. I've been telling you, that's the seventh piece of armor. Keep praying at 114, long after this series is done. Keep praying. Verse 47. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were what? <laughs> Terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. Now if you've got your Bibles, you know, some translations will say, be of good cheer. So they're in the storm. Jesus is walking on the water. He shows up. They think he's a ghost. And he says, hey, be of good cheer. <laughs> Gotta love Jesus, man. Take courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. Then, circle the word then, if you can stand and write at the same time or or when you sit down, then. (laughs) Then. You know, if you can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time, you know what I'm saying. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were, their hearts were what? Hardened. When, I had you circle then, now circle when, or when you sit down, then and when. When they had crossed over, they landed at Generous and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into the villages, the towns or the countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. May God add his anointing, his favor on the reading and the hearing of his word. Will you pray with me? Father, we... um. We humble ourselves. We submit ourselves to the authority of scripture. Father, we are so grateful for what you have done in battle ready. Would you enable us to finish strong? Would you enable this to be a day that we shall never forget? We pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said together, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if many of you guys take road trips anymore. You got, any of you guys just take road trips? You like road trips? When I was a kid, um, I, love, I still love road trips today. Certain kinds of road trips, if you know what I mean. When I was a kid, uh, we used to always take one road trip. It was one road trip. It was from Sumter, South Carolina, to Charleston, South Carolina. I was born and raised in Sumter, but my family, the Kelly family, was originally from Charleston, South Carolina. And so we, we went a lot. I mean, we would get up on Saturdays. We, we weren't church, you know that. So we would get up and we would jump into the Monte Carlo. Glory to God. And we were in the, we were three boys. I was the youngest of three. And uh, dad would be driving, always driving, window cracks, smoking Marlboros. Uh, mama, mama was sitting shotgun. And it was always the three boys and I in the back seat. And um, we'd take out for Charleston about, about, if I remember correctly, about a two and a half, three hour drive. And inevitably, about 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in to an hour in, one of my brothers or myself would ask my dad, hey, dad, (laughs) are we there yet? (laughs) And my dad would sometimes answer, "No, no, son, we're not there yet. Go a little bit further, hey, dad. Are we there yet? And then dad would get a little bit more frustrated. No, I told you we're not there yet. And and when I knew we weren't there because I could look around and I could see that we weren't there. (laughs) The car was not stopped. What I was basically saying to my dad is, hey dad, I'm bored. I've counted all the cows I can count. I've done the punch bug. I've done the the tic-tac-toe with my brothers. Punch bug. Anybody grow up doing punch bug? I, we, we did the punch, but hey, Dad, I know we're not there, but I'm bored. Are we there yet? Now, now, I got, I got five kids, and when we go on a road trip, I, I've come to realize that the generational curse, <laughs> the, the, the generational curse has continued even to this day, and even though my dad was not a Christian, I don't handle it sometimes today as well as he handled it back then. My kids will say, hey, Dad, are we there yet? I'm like, son, you look around. You tell me if we're there. Do we look like we're there, son? I'll tell you what, son. When we get there, I'll throw the car in park. I'll stop. We'll open up the doors. Then we'll be there. <laughs> hey, Dad. Are we there yet? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as we wrap up this series, the Holy Spirit is impressed upon me that there is something about it. Everybody say, what's up, Maximus? There's something about, there's something about this, this idea of being battle ready and yet realizing that there are times when we just can't take the offensive. And I've been talking to you a lot about that now for six weeks. We can't take the offensive. I want to call us to take the offensive. No neutral, no turning back, no going back. We are offensive people of God, Amen. But what I want to acknowledge today is that there are some of us here today and Lord knows I have been there. There are some of us who are here today when we can't even think about taking the offensive. Which is why have you noticed each and every week in the Ephesians text, the Bible says, stand firm. And after you have done everything to stand firm, what does the Bible say? Stand firm a little bit more. There's something about this connection that was actually captured and articulated to me about three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, from a brother over in Sanford. His name is Ed Page. He goes to our Sanford campus. And I tweeted something out about what's to come. And I just wanna share with you, I got permission to share this. I wanna share with you the tweet that he sent me back. He said this, when we looked forward, no, we look forward to it. He was excited. Then he said, it was a little hard to hear exhortations. He was talking about that day, that Sunday. It was a little hard to hear exhortations to step out in faith and do bold new things when we've just, we're just struggling to hang on. Hoping faithful perseverance will bring glory to him. And I thought, oh, there it is. There it is. Maybe, maybe you can relate today. Pastor, I hear you talking about taking ground and going forward. But the truth is, Lord, I, I'm in, I'm in the middle. I don't know if I can go forward and I can't go back, and I'm just, I just feel stuck. Which is why I had you. And if you haven't done it yet, go back to that Mark 6 text, open up your Bibles and circle then and when underline it highlight it in the red they're in the storm it's it's raging the storm clouds are building the waves are banking up against them and they are freaking out they are stressed out they're in the boat and they're only about halfway across the sea of Galilee picture it it's dark waves are coming over jesus comes walking on the water take courage <laughs> Be of good cheer. I don't want to be of good cheer, Lord. How can I be of good cheer? I'm about to die. Be of good cheer. Come on. Take courage. It is I. Jesus calms the storm. I'm telling you, there's something about this idea of being battle ready with the full recognition that there are times in life when all you can do is stand firm, stand strong in the midst of the chaos when the waves are coming at you and the storms are everywhere. You stand firm. And yet, even as we hear that, right? Some of us are here and it might not help that much. I think of the Bible verse, you know it, right? Hope deferred. Hope what? Makes the heart what? Okay, Lord, take courage. I hear you. But the Bible also says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And Lord, Pastor, I, I just got a sick heart. I don't know if I can move forward. And part of our problem, part of our problem is that we want God to tell us when we're going to be able to move forward. What what I'm talking to you about today is the meantime. Is the what? Well, what do you do do in the meantime? I want to give credit to a pastor by the name of Jeff Mannion. He wrote a book. If you haven't read it, oh my Lord, go buy it. If this is resonating with you today, go buy it and read it. It's called The Land Between. The Land Between, Pastor Jeff Mannion. Book changed my life. And what he's talking about is when you're in, when you're in between lands and you know, you know you're not where you used to be, everybody say, praise God. Amen. But you know you're not where you need to be, everybody say, praise God. And you're kind, of, you're kind of in the land between. What do you do? What do you do when you are not where you used to be? But you are not where God wants you to be. Say that with me. Read that out loud with me. Ready to go. What do you do when you are not where you used to be, but you know you are not where God wants you to be? In other words, what do you do? Come on, come on. What do you do in the meantime? I've been in the meantime many, many times in my life. And Christianity, though some pastors like me and churches try to make it all glory and sexy and all of that kind of stuff, what nobody ever tells you about is the meantime. What do you do in the meantime? And oh my Lord, I wish you could see what I see and I can only imagine it's the same at the campuses. I see heads shaking and eyes locked in because some of you, you're in the meantime and nobody talks about it. ESPN doesn't talk about it. We live in a highlights culture. Everybody's seeing everybody else's highlights. Some of you are looking at social media way too much. And the problem with social media, if you've never heard this, the problem is that you're looking at people's highlight reels. You're looking at their best face forward. And you're wondering, my life sucks. Sorry, forget the French. My life sucks and their life is wonderful. Come on, come on, come on. No, no, no. You're looking at the highlight reel of their life. Nobody ever talks to us about the high life or the meantime. Everybody talks to us about the highlights. Paul, think about Paul, remember? I told you from day one, Paul was chained on house arrest, basically in prison. I don't know if if you've put this together so far, but, but Paul was in the meantime when he wrote this letter. The disciples... Jesus said, Hey, go on ahead. Jesus knew the storm was coming. Go on ahead to the other side. Hey, while you do that, I'm going to go over here and pray. (laughs) He sends them across. They're in the land between. They're, They're in the meantime. The disciples were in the meantime. Paul was in the meantime. Hey, have you ever thought about this? Jesus. We read the Bible and we see that we hear about Jesus a little bit when he was a child, but then from age 12 to 30, Jesus goes off the grid. Where was Jesus? I'll tell you where he was, I'll tell you where he was. He was in the meantime. Nobody talks to us about the meantime, but you will never understand this notion of standing firm. I mean, holding to your post unless you learn to understand the meantime few things I would just want to point out to you about the meantime, if you're taking notes, write this down, put them in your Bible, it might be on your teaching notes. It is impossible. If you're here in the meantime, it is impossible for us to get ourselves to the other side. Did you hear me? I didn't say it is impossible to get to the other side. I said it is impossible for us to get ourselves to the other side. Some of you are in the meantime and you're trying to go it alone. You'll never get to where you feel God is calling you to be. You know you're not where you used to be. You know you're not where you need to be. You're in the land between. And I stopped by this morning to let you know you'll never get to where you feel God calling you to be on your own. Scholars say it was about an eight-mile trek across the Sea of Galilee. They're only halfway God never said that the journey would be easy, church. But he did say that he would be with us. And he did say that he would help us get to where he was calling us to be. What if we were a church? What if we were a campus that just started getting honest about the meantime what if we weren't like the church so many churches so many christians you're getting around some christians man they just everything's just too glorious right it's just too you're like what what planet do you live on like i don't i don't even connect with you because i like hey how you doing how you doing praise god i didn't ask you to praise god i said how you doing oh praise god can i pray for you i didn't ask you to pray for me I I ask you, how you doing? See, the problem is, the problem is we're embarrassed about being in the meantime. What if we became a church that didn't put a mask on and dress everything up and try to make it look so sexy? What if we became a church where we actually started being honest about what God's word says and where I am in the journey? And if, if I'm in a good season, praise God, right? But if I'm not in a good season, what if we were a church where we could actually be honest about that? Hey, how you doing? Most of us ask, "How you doing?" And the truth is, the last thing we want is somebody to stop and really tell us how to doing. I'm sorry if you don't understand quick Southern language. I sometimes realize I speak too fast. What if we actually were honest? How you doing? Well, the truth is, my children are going off the rails. I might lose my job. How you doing? Well, the truth is you got time to really hear bro, because the truth is my marriage is falling apart. I'm addicted to prescription drugs. I'm mad at God because I can't get a job. I'm mad at God because I can't find a spouse. I'm looking at naked men on the computer late at night. Or I'm looking at naked women and pornography's ripping at my soul. I'm not all right. I'm not where I thought I would be at this point in time. When I was young, I had such dreams, but they are not materializing. And I'm realizing God's timetable is not my timetable. How am I doing? I'm not doing that good. And the truth is, my heart is a little sick. What if we became that kind of community? This is why life groups are so important, by the way. This is why having authentic friends at the church is so very important. How am I doing? I'm not doing all right. Hey, what if we could just say that? If it was true. Hey, Dad, are we there yet? You'll never be able to get there alone, number one. Number two, write this down. The first step, come on, come on. The first step to getting to the other side is admitting you're not there yet. And listen to me, church, that's okay. The first step to getting to the other side is just admitting I'm not there yet. And my heart's a little sick about it. I'm in the meantime, pastor. The first step is to quit wearing the mask. To quit being false and phony. And realizing that if you're in a tough place, it's okay. The church should be the first place we run, right? Come on when we're in a tough, tough place. If you look at, I think it's verse 52. If you look at for verse 52 in Mark 6, 52, 53, you'll actually see that the Bible says that their hearts grew hardened. Their hearts grew hardened. I, I don't know what you do like when you're around hard-hearted people. <laughs> I know what I think about doing when I'm around hard-hearted people. Like when I'm in the boat, when I'm in the storm, when I'm in the meantime, right? And if I look around and I got hard-hearted people with me, I don't know what you think about doing, but I kind of want to throw them overboard. (laughs) I'm just keeping it real. Like, I don't need your hard-hearted, dark-hearted crassness around me. Here's an idea. Get out of the boat. <laughs> who, 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 who is this God who carries hard-hearted people to the other side? Who, who is this God that loves and cares enough to carry hard-hearted people to the other side. So the question you would ask about this point in time in the message is the same question I asked this week. How do I get to the other side? If you're here and you're in the meantime, how do you get to the other side. How do you do it? If you're, in the, if you're taking ground and you're in the office and you're in a good season, fantastic. Praise God for you. There's nothing like being in the good season, amen? There's nothing like being able to take territory. There's nothing like being able to feel like God is with you at all times and you're accomplishing every single thing you put your hand to, been there, done that. But then there are times when you step back and it's not happening, the flow is not there. Well, how do you get from here to there? I've studied the text up and down. I've read my commentaries. I've prayed. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that you can find in the text that they did to get from here to there. One thing and one thing only. They did not jump ship. Did you hear me? There's only one thing you can read all the commentaries, study the Bible up and down. But when the waves were coming and the storm was coming and they didn't even feel like God was with them, that was only one thing that enabled them to eventually get from here to there. They stood firm. They stood firm. And they never, ever jumped ship. They didn't bail with grit and tenacity, white knuckling the sides of the boat, they never once jumped ship. And the only way you will get from here to there is first of all realizing you'll never get there alone. Secondly, realizing that if you're in the meantime, you just need to admit it. But most importantly, come on, you don't jump ship. You don't bail. You stay in the midst of the battle. You live with the armor of God girded around you. You make sure you have all the pieces of armor in place. And whatever you do, you stand firm. You don't jump ship (laughs) <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? When you, when you look at other things, right? You, you look at other people and you, you kind of have a tendency to, to see their highlight reel and you kind of have a tendency to romanticize their life over yours. And, and you kind of you want to jump ship. I remember when Amy Lynn and I got married. Uh, it was 1990. <clears throat> it was nineteen ninety. 1990... Nine, Ninety-five. Ninety-five. It was 1995. Twenty-two years. Ninety-five. 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 I, um... Pray for me, brother. I need it. I need it. We got married, man. We got married in Tallahassee, Florida, and we took off. We, since we were in Florida, we went to Disney World. We did Disney World. And then we went over to uh, Cape Canaveral, and uh, we got a cruise. And... Um, <clears throat> We jumped on a cruise and it was, um, it, was, it was one of those ships. I thought it was a good deal, right? I thought it was a nice ship. And um, it, was, it was like one of those Cape Carnival cruises or whatever. And we didn't have a lot of money. I'd saved for a long time for our honeymoon. So we got on the cruise and it was the first cruise we'd ever been on, both of us. And so it was, a, it was an amazing boat. I mean, it was a big boat. I thought it was incredible, and we took off and I, I was feeling pretty good, man. Look what I did. We got us a boat. Even got us a, a cabin with a window, though the window was under the water the whole time. Anyway, um, <laughs> side note. But um, so I thought it was a good boat. But, but, but then, but then we, we, we went to the Bahamas and we ported at the Bahamas. And um, we ported right beside the Royal Caribbean boat. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And I thought our boat was bad. I thought we were cool. I thought we had it going on. We ported beside the Royal Caribbean and it was like, (laughs) like dang. I mean, dang is what I said. Dang. Dang. (laughs) The, the, The ship was like four times the size of ours. And then when we poured in, we walked into, into the Bahamas area. I I got back on the land and I looked and it was like, our ship stunk. I mean, it was pathetic. I I remember thinking I'm I'm in one boat, but I sure wish I was in that boat. Right? Just like that, everything changed because I started looking on the other side and I started thinking that it, would be better to be over there. Many of you are here today and this is where you are. You're in the meantime and the problem is you're too busy looking over there thinking that it's going to be better over there. You're in your marriage and marriage is hard work. And you're thinking, you know what? I like it better over there. The grass has to be greener over there. Listen to me, the grass is greener where you water it. Some of us get in the meantime, and the problem is we look at other people's lives and we start thinking about jumping ship. The problem is when you got married, come on, married people, if you're single, listen closely. The problem is you get married, nobody tells you about the meantime. Everybody talks about the honeymoon. You get a job. Nobody tells you that there's going to be a grind. Life is just a grind, church. And when you're in the midst of the grind, the question is, will you stand firm? Will you square your shoulders and say, God, I know I'm not where I used to be. And Lord, I know I'm not where you're calling me to be. I'm in the meantime, I'm in the land in between, but Lord, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to jump ship. I think about Genesis 15, right? God looks at Abraham. God says to Abraham, I am your great and exceeding reward. Remember that? I am your great and exceeding reward. Now, if you know your Bible, by the time we get to Genesis 15, Abraham's kind of got a leadership attitude. He's like, God, I've heard your promises before. And I'm getting tired of waiting, God. When is that exceeding reward going to come my way? Listen to me, church. Don't miss this. Just because your dream is delayed doesn't mean your dream is denied. Did you hear me? Just because your dream is delayed doesn't mean your dream is denied. And this is why, again, I just gotta say this. This is why life groups are so important. Or serving teams, being on a serving team here at the church. Because sometimes you know what you need? Sometimes you know what I need? I just need somebody in the boat with me to say whatever you do, whatever you do, don't jump ship. Whatever you do, don't Bail on God's destiny for your life. Sometimes you just need a friend. Hey, I'm Benji. I'm your friend. Don't jump ship, stand firm. Be it vocational, be it marriage, be it psychological when the dark clouds start to come your way, whatever you do, don't you dare jump ship. Ephesians 6. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. After you have done what? Everything, stand firm then. Hey, Dad, when's my child going to come home? When am I going to have that baby? When is my marriage going to get better and somewhat, at least remotely, like what I used to dream it would be? When am I going to get that job? When will I forgive him or her? When and then and then and when? Hey, Dad, when am I going to get to the other side? What do you do in the meantime? You stand. Did you hear me? What do you do in the meantime? You stand. You stand firm in the midst of the battle. You stand firm. Hey, Dad. Are we there yet? I know I'm not where I used to be, Lord, but I know I'm definitely not where you're calling me to be and go, and a heart has grown sick here because my hope is deferred. You stand firm. Our fourth-born son, his name is Caleb. Caleb Timothy. You ever got one of those kids where you just kind of look at him and you're like, "Dude, where'd you come from?" <laughs> he 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 is like he 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 lives life with a passion, unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, he he I, when he was little, I used to call him. Pit bull, because he's just—he—he's he, like cut from a different cloth, man. He's just—he's a just stocky pit bull kind of thing. Amy Lynn says he's more like me than any of our other kids. Anyway, um, <laughs> side note, but he's just like—he's—he just, he just lives life with an unbelievable passion. When he was little, Caleb never wanted to go to bed, like never, ever. I mean, he could be four years old. Hey, Caleb, it's eleven o'clock, bro. Time to go to bed. Ah, I don't want to go to bed. He never wanted to go to bed. We made him go to bed. But I'll never forget one night we were watching, he's also a big time athlete, he's going into the ninth grade next year, he's eighth grader now. We were watching a game and even though Caleb would say he never wanted to go to bed, maybe some of you are like this, or you got kids that are like that, he would fight going to bed, but before long he'd fall asleep on the couch. Yeah, he thought he could stay up, but he just couldn't stay up. I'll never forget one night we were watching, I think it was a final four Duke was probably in it. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, he fell asleep on the couch, man, like at halftime. And I, I kept watching the game. Like, I'm, I'm not moving you until the game's over. The game was over. I cut off the lights and the television. I reached over and picked up Caleb I carried him to bed, tucked him in. The next morning, Caleb came down the stairs with his bushy head. and I think it was over a bowl of cereal. He goes, hey dad, dad, last thing I remember, we, we were watching the basketball game. Hey dad, dad how, how did I get from the family room to my bed. I said, I said, Caleb, last night, man, you fell asleep. It was a close game, but you fell asleep. And I said, after the game, son, I, I, I picked up, I swooped you up and I, I took you upstairs and I put you in the bed. He goes, oh. Some of you are here today and you're stuck in the meantime. And I just came by to let you know That ours is a God who, when you think you can't go any farther, when you think you have to jump ship, when you think the storm's going to take you down, when you think your marriage is not going to make it, when you think your kids aren't coming home, ours is a God who will swoop down and pick you up and carry you where you need to go. He is just that good. Praise His name, church. He will swoop down. He will pick you up and He will carry you from where you are to where you need to go. Praise His name. He is just that good. That is our God. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. If you're not standing, you can stay seated, but those who are standing, you just stay standing. Father, it's hard. It's hard in the meantime. And my heart breaks for those who are in it. And my heart is broken when I have been in it. Give us a church, give us a community that doesn't try to make it all shiny and good and put on a mask. But give us a church community that realizes just like Paul did, there's something to be said about the ability to stand firm. And after we have stood, to stand some more. And to trust you that you have us And when you are ready, you will swoop down and pick us up. And you will carry us where we need to go. Maybe you're here today at any of our campuses and you're in the meantime. You're in that difficult, challenging land between I want to ask you just by an act of faith, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, many of you standing, some of you still sitting. I want to ask you if you're here today, and you're in the meantime in one or more areas of your life. I'm going to ask you to just stand where you are, just stand. Just stand up. Just out all the campuses, just stand. I see all of you popping up. Just stand. Wow. Just stand. All the campuses, just stand up. Just stand where you are. Don't be embarrassed about being in the meantime. Wow. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm in the meantime. I'm not where I used to be. But Lord, I'm not where I need to be either. But I trust you. I stand. And after I stand, I will stand firm. And I will trust that in your timing, in your due season, you will carry me from here to there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We trust you as Abba Father. Carry us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. amen, amen. And amen. Amen. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. If you haven't stood yet, just stand where you are. I knew when I got to the end of piecing everything together this week, I knew there was only one song for us to sing. Can a church have oldie goldies, goldie oldies? How are you saying? Here, here's one. Oh my Lord, we used to do this one. Woo! It's called the stand. I stand with arms high. You remember it? And heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. I want to invite you at all of our campus locations to join your worship team. And I want you to keep the posture of transparency that is here today. The posture of authenticity, the posture of being in awe of a God who would carry us hard hearted and all, who would carry us in all of our needs and all of our meantime. He'll carry us in due season to where we need to go. Maybe today, maybe today is the day for the first time you raise your hands. The song actually says, I stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all for me. Let's sing it as loud as we can sing it. Try to stay put. No need to go anywhere. We'll dismiss you as soon as this song is over.